Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. What's up, everyone? Welcome back for a brand new edition of Collider Ladies Night, and I am beyond thrilled to get to welcome Claire Foy to the show for Women Talking. Huge, huge, huge congratulations on the movie. Thank you. So you have not been warned, but the first order of business on Collider Ladies Night is to play a game called Dicey Questions. (laughs) Okay. Dice Tower behind me. A bunch of like random, but all acting specific questions here. I'll give you three rolls on the tower and whatever we land on, that is where we start. Okay. Wow. This is intense. First one up. Picking this off with a number one, which is one of my favorites of the bunch. This is high, low. Can you give us one audition high and one audition low and how you overcame that low? Whoa. Okay, high was I auditioned for First Man, which is a movie that I did with Damien Chazelle. Um, And I went into it thinking it was never gonna happen. And then at the end of the audition, he went, okay, so do you want to come and have breakfast with Ryan? Um, as in Ryan Gosling. And I went, okay, is this is what's happening? <laughs> and then we went and had breakfast with Ryan. And I went, I'm presuming it's gone well, because otherwise I don't think I would be here having this breakfast. But that was a very, I thought I would be in and out, but I was there for a, quite a few hours. Um, so that was a very great and exciting audition. Awful auditions have been too many to count. Um, Every audition I walked away from, I would cringe for days thinking about what I'd said and done. I think one of the worst ones was a film I actually got, actually, which is quite ironic, which is a film called Season of the Witch with Nicolas Cage. And I had to pretend to be exorcised um, by a priest with the devil inside me in a very, very small room in Soho in London where you would sit and have the audition on the other side of the door. There was another girl who looked identical to you waiting to go in. Um, 
And that was a real low. There was nowhere to go from that. But I sort of figured that everyone would be doing it so I wouldn't be alone. Um, and then I ended up getting it. So I was like, well, it can't have been that bad. But it was pretty like, it was pretty um, out there. <laughs> I always feel for you all when you're doing like a genre project like that. And the scene that you're given to audition with is like maximum horror, terror, exorcism, like yeah. you name it. I, I think don't at, know how you do it. At one point I had to um, like mime bars in a cage with my hands with no bars. Like, oh, <laughs> just that is somewhere. That is somewhere. That tape probably still exists which is mortifying. I was about to say one day, maybe it'll be on Earth, but... Well, really, that would be a bad day for me. I don't want to do that to you. I that don't would be a bad day. All right, we are moving on to roll number two. We are going to a number seven. Now. All right, this isn't an acting-specific question. This is just for fun and because I'm obsessed with zombie movies. Okay. So you're, you're working on the set of Women Talking, and all of a sudden, a zombie outbreak happens. <laughs> you can pick two co-stars to be on your survival team. That is who not you, fair. Who, who do you pick to give yourself the best chance of surviving? That is not fair. <laughs> oh, my God. What, so everyone else just get, turns into a zombie? I'm committing all the women not, of women I talking mean, to not, being... Not necessarily. The the, these are the people that you think would, would help me. serve you the best in terms of oh. like, fighting back, but there's also other tactics to, to surviving a zombie outbreak. That's really tough. Okay, Jessie Buckley just definitely. I think she's good at fighting. She's good at thinking her way out of a problem. She would keep me happy. That would be great. The other spot is very difficult. Rooney. Rooney might be quite good at negotiation with the zombies. Um, I think she would be good spiritually. But then there's Ben. I don't know how useful Ben would be with zombies. There's too many. I, that's not, I just, I can't, I'm sorry, I can't do that one. I, I genuinely it's can't do it. I appreciate that you took it in a nicer direction. One of the meanest answers I've ever received is someone picking someone deliberately to sacrifice them, that person to the zombies so that they can make a quick getaway. Wow, that is really disparaging on their character that they did that. A, a little bit. I swear it was done Whoa. and expressed in a fun-loving manner, but I never would have said that myself. Oh my God. I mean, I would hope it would be like Shaun of the Dead vibes. We'd be having lots of fun and hitting lots of people with bats. It's, it's Shaun of the Dead or Zombieland. Either world, I'll be happy to live in. Okay, great. I mean, maybe not happy, but, you know, it'll be more fun than some of the other ones out there. <laughs> yeah. All right, you got one more roll on the tower now. I'm loving the tower. Oh, yay. That makes me so happy. I'm, I'm obsessed with this game and evolving the questions every step of the way. All right, this one is called Never Again. What is something that you did for a role that now makes you say, I'm really glad that I got to try that at one point, but I don't ever have to do that again? I mean, do I be serious about this or do I do? I don't know. That's okay. Up to you. There's a couple of things. I don't really want to ride a horse again. Just putting that out there. I had some very, very bad experiences with horses on set. But. Who knows? Maybe I will get back in the saddle. Um, I don't know whether I can say them. <laughs> they're oh. <laughs> and they're all basically to do with feeling uncomfortable and taking advantage of. So um, I once, no, I can't say that. Um, oh my God, I don't know. 
I don't, oh, hey, let's do women talking. Women talking, we had to grow our leg hair. And I would like not to do that again. That for me would be a, be a, I've been there, I've done that. I've relived my childhood. I don't want to, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> Fair enough. I understand that. All right, now we're going to move into the meat of our conversation. And every Collider Ladies Night begins here. What is the movie, the performance, or personal experience that you had that first made you say, I have to be an actor and nothing else? Ooh. I think I don't know. I don't think I, I realized it was about acting, but I watched a lot of movies as a child that I probably shouldn't have watched. Desperately Seeking Susan was one that was very prominent in my mind, um, which I really was too, way too young to be watching. Um, I also really weirdly watched Rear Window about 5,000 times and When Harry Met Sally. But I don't think, um, I think I, for me it was probably when I went to see a play actually that I suddenly realized that there were living, breathing human beings who were doing something. Before that I just was totally immersed in film and it was my favorite thing and, and, but I didn't know that people actually did it. Movie stars did it, but I didn't know that actual ordinary people like me could learn how to do it. Um, so I think it was probably seeing a play. It was I, I went to see the Cherry Orchard at the National Theatre in England, and I remember going, oh, "What are they doing?" and thinking, "Wouldn't that that looks like fun?" So that's the want. But it's one thing to say I want to be an actor. It's another to like really feel the need to do it. So I guess do you remember the very first time on set you could feel acting become like an itch that you desperately needed to keep scratching. Um, I think it was when I was at drama school. I think I went to drama school with very little um, understanding of what it would take to actually be an actor or what was involved or the skills you had to have, any of those things. And I think you had a lot of, at drama school, you did a lot of preparation for it. You did a lot of Stanislavski exercises and a lot of, you know, um, prep around how, the skills that you might have to be able to do it. And then when I did my first play, at drama school, I went, oh, it's good. I like doing it. I, I, I loved it. Um, it was terrifying and I was worried I was getting it wrong all the time. But at the same time, I was like, this feels really, really, really good. I love talking about the experience of studying a craft like this in school. So having gone through that program, what's one thing that you learned in it that you still use to this day? But then on the other hand, what's something that all the schooling in the world could never have prepared you for when you hit your first professional stage or set? Yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I think the things I, I mean, there's so many things from drama school that I use all the time. I think uh, one of them, like getting it really badly wrong was basically my way of learning uh, what worked for me or what would help me. I think one of, one of the voice teachers at the, at the school once said, if you're on stage or you're acting in some way and you're feeling like it's not happening, just stop and take a breath. Just take a breath, you're probably not breathing, which is really important. Um, but also for me, I think it was, I, I fundamentally realized that acting genuinely was not about myself. It was about affecting another person. It was about the person you were acting with. How are you gonna make them change? How are you gonna make them see your point of view? How you're always trying to get something out of somebody in life. Everyone's trying to affect everybody in their life, whether it's other people or themselves. They're always kind of 
trying to get a response or, or a reaction or change someone. And that is the most helpful thing to me in the world. I think a lot of the time as an actor, you're meant to feel like it should all be about you or like the spotlight's on you. And actually it's the opposite. If you just focus on the other person, then it you, you just start doing it. You're just doing it. You're basically in the room listening and, that, and that's it. Um, I think the thing that I wasn't prepared for um, was, oh God, it not being able to be, there are technical elements to it. Like it not being able to be all about the experience and the feeling. Like sometimes it's about waiting for the light and you've got to be ready to go when you have to go. Um, it, sometimes it's about, you, you know, saving yourself you, someone else has got, you're doing everyone else's shots before your own, and you, but you've got to get there. You've got to get there every time for the people that you're with and the people, and, and then for yourself, and somehow navigating that. Um, yeah. Oh my God. This is really taking me back. <laughs> the, the stamina that you all have to have whenever, like, especially in a, in a movie like Women Talking, where I imagine for the large majority of the shoot, you were all on set together. Yeah. And- not having that much of an opportunity to break. Actually, with with that in mind and what you just brought up in terms of, you know, whether you're on set constantly acting like women talking or there's a more technical film where you have a significant amount of time to wait for something to get set up for Mm. a particular shoot, what can you be doing or what what, uh, tips or tricks have you come up with to, I guess, like, sustain that, that stamina and that energy level that's necessary to power through all of that? I mean, not to sound like a complete wimp, but both of those scenarios are exhaust like exhausting. I don't know why they are so tiring, but they really are. Um, I think I I would I would take being busy and like women talking, like being on all the time, engaging with the actors that you're working with, engaging with the director, engaging with the crew over being in a trailer waiting for twelve hours to do something. Um, like a hundred percent. I think food is very important to me. <laughs> so got to, you've got to have, you know, food to look forward to. Otherwise, why are we doing it? I just genuinely don't understand that. So strategic drink breaks and food breaks, I think, are getting excited about what you're going to have for lunch is really the highlight of my day. Um, but I also think that you've got to... It's been a while since I've done something with a lot of waiting around, I have to be said. I feel like those things don't really happen anymore because there's no money anymore. Um, but in the good old days, lots of, I, I would do lots of sleeping, but then I did one movie where I would meditate, I would read. I think post having my child, I used that time very, very successfully to, at one point I was doing exercise whilst waiting. I mean, I I didn't know who I was anymore, but those (laughs) days are gone now, I'm afraid. There's no waiting around anymore. What, what's like the go-to onset, uh, food and drink choice for you? Oh, a mid-morning coffee is crucial Um, and some sort of illicit snack. So Matt Smith was always really good at an illicit snack. There would always be a moment where you didn't know he had them, but he might bring out a bag of minstrels, which are, I don't know whether you have minstrels here. They're they're a British chocolate sort of button thing, Um, which would make me feel terrible, but would really cheer me up. So, um, yeah, I think food is just, it, it's, the only, it's the only thing. It's the only thing for me. I very much understand that. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, jumping like way, way ahead now to The Crown, because, Mm -hmm. you know, for us, of course, here in the States, The Crown was labeled your breakout performance, the thing that changed everything. But the definition of breakout performance can mean something very different from our perspective compared to how it might feel for you. So can you pinpoint maybe one misconception about what it can mean to have your breakout in Hollywood, but then also what's something that really did feel like it changed for the better when you broke out with the crown? You're so good at asking questions. Um, I, you know, I've been working for like 10 years by the time I got the crown. So I did feel a bit like long in the tooth when it happened. I was a bit like, so what? Um, I mean, I, I I had got to a point in my career where I was just like, well, that's not going to happen for me. Like that, that, I mean, I don't know whether, who that happens to. Like it was a pretty extraordinary experience. Um, but it, but it, I was very lucky that it wasn't at the beginning of my career. I was very lucky it was, I wasn't um, overwhelmed by it or took it too seriously, basically. Or personally, you know. Um, so it was amazing, but I, but I also was very much had my own life and knew what the knew how to do my job by that point so I was very lucky um I think it it and this is another thing that Matt Smith actually told me he said the most important thing to remember he'd already had it because he'd done Doctor Who basically and he said you know what I think is really interesting about it is that everybody thinks you've changed but you've stayed exactly the same it's just everyone's opinion of you has changed you know, everybody around you suddenly thinks of you differently and you think of yourself the same. And that is, I understand that that might be like a, that's not difficult, but it is, there is something to navigate about that because you still have all the same opinions and insecurities or beliefs about yourself. And then every, suddenly everybody else is like, got a completely different, thinks of you now differently, that you apparently move through the world in a different way, even though you still feel exactly the same. Um, but the, I think the thing is not to fight it. Like, you can't control what other people think of you, ever. So you may as well just be in charge of your own life. And I've never let it stop me do anything, really. So, yeah. I think this kind of feeds into that in in a sense. But so the next step after a breakout performance is the sky-high pressure of everybody watching as you choose what comes next. So how did you go about picking things that 
I don't know, I guess people in the industry would deem a good next career move, but while also making sure that you were also like remaining the same and kind of staying true to what's important in a story that you take on. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is any good next career move. I think in you can only, I've always had a very strong conviction, even from when I first started acting, of what I would do and what I wouldn't do. I don't know where that has come from, but it has been something that has, you know, I've kept me very, not focused, that's not the right word, but it's just kept it quite simple for me. Um, I've realized, and if, and if anything, suddenly being seen to have had some success in something is helpful in the sense that I don't have to do everything um, or feel like I have to do everything. Um, but then choice sometimes is really difficult as well. Um, but I think the the I, the only person I've ever wanted to please or needed to please is myself when doing this. I know what I do and don't want to do. Um, sometimes, you know, my agents give me a bit of talking to. Sometimes a job is taken not just for artistic merit. Sometimes you do have, you're an adult and you do have to, you know, I have a child, I have to pay for life. So sometimes you do have to make an adult decision, which can be, you know, feel like you're, you know, coming down off a very high moral horse, but sometimes you've got to do it. Um, so yeah, I think I just only do the stuff I want to do basically. <laughs> I feel like that's the only compass you can have. To have it is. You can't, otherwise you'll get very, very confused. Yeah. So this is the point in the interview where I see our time dwindling and I panic that I haven't squeezed in enough titles of yours. So a, a couple big broad questions to at least uh, touch on a few other uh, films and shows. So first, a, a, a big one. But what would you say is the most challenging scene that you've ever done? One that can now make you look back and think like, well, if I was able to do that then, now I can do anything. Yeah, so I played Anne Boleyn in a TV show called Wolf Hall. Um, and I mean ridiculous that I got to play that part in the first place anyway I loved the, I loved the novels and I could not believe I had been given that role I could not believe it um and I had to play her when she was executed and she had her head chopped off um and I did not know I don't know there was something about it that I basically I trusted in the that I trusted for the first time probably that the feeling would come and I would know how to do it and I would know what to do when I was in that moment and there were all those people staring at me about for, a, I was about to get, my life was about to get taken away from me. And it was a real lesson that sometimes you have to trust that you will feel the right thing at the right time. And I think I was definitely, as an actor, wanted to leave very little up to chance. I wanted to know how the day would go, where the structure would be, what the weather would be like, like everything really. So I felt secure enough to do it and, and not really, you know, paranoid. Um, but that was a real, performing that scene, I was like, sometimes you just gotta let it go. Sometimes you just gotta be there and trust that you know what you're doing. And um, yeah, so probably that Such one. Good thing to carry with you. All right, my next really big career spanning one for you. Of all of the co-stars that you've worked with, 
whose process would you say is most similar to yours? Where the second you hit set, the two of you were immediately in sync. But then I also want the opposite. Someone who challenged you to adapt and maybe even adapt and try something new and for the better. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, I don't know. It's difficult similarity-wise. I've worked with lots of actors. We don't have the same process, but we have the same... Um, uh, I suppose instinct to what we want to get out of the work I suppose um, I feel like Matt Smith we're quite similar in that we both want to feel it um, me and Jesse, I feel are quite similar although I was just in awe of her the whole I just thought she was one of the bravest actors I've ever worked with I just oh god I just loved watching her work. Um, I don't know. I think different people, um, people who challenged me, Ryan Gosling challenged me no end because he is so clever and so funny and so finds improvising really easy. And uh, I was just going, just stop, stop, stop being so good. I can't do that. I'm improvising with an accent here. What are you doing to me? Um, I found him really, really, he really challenged me to just throw myself in and not think and just, you know, he gives you so much confidence because he's so relaxed with it. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, so they would be some of them. I got three names. You, you got three names. I, I got some solid examples there. Yes. Um, as we teeter into women talking now, I did want to ask, I, I always love talking about what award season means to people because, you know, we, we're we not in this business. You don't make movies and shows to win awards, but it's something that could, you know, like spread good and celebration and appreciation for your own work, for people around you. So as someone who has won Emmys and experience what it's like to be on the whole award circuit and award season campaign has has what you valued in award season and what those awards mean changed at all I think it's really interesting I think a lot of the awardsy stuff I did was to do with the crown and to be honest I can't differentiate between what was publicity and like for the show and what because it was all happening at the same time so I think I'm quite grateful for that. Like, I don't really know what where anything one begins and ends really with that. And it all was just one long two years of just being everywhere all the time. Um, I think with women talking, I feel like sometimes those things have a capacity to bring attention to a movie that otherwise other people might not see. And I think my feeling about, you know, not just women talking, but films like women talking is that it gives a platform or a capacity for attention to be drawn to something that's not mainstream, which I think is really, really important. Um, but on the whole, I don't really like think about it a lot. I loved some award shows that I've been to. They are a lot of fun if you go with the right people and things go well <laughs> or badly. Either way, you can have a great night. Um, and you meet some really wonderful people kind of repeatedly over that period of time. And also there's something amazing about, I suppose, looking back, there's something like with First Man, there was something amazing about the fact that the film wasn't over. It's not over. You're still doing it. It's still alive somewhere, you know, even though it 
you're in denial and it has ended and you're not shooting it anymore. You still get to be with those people and have new memories and new experiences with them, which is lovely. I love that way of thinking about it. And I look forward to talking about this movie for many, many weeks and months to come for these <laughs> reasons. Um, so on the set of this film, I imagine it might feel like you're right smack in the middle of like basically an acting masterclass. So yes. just to yes. highlight the different techniques people can use, can you give me an example of two women talking actors who have totally different approaches to the work where when you're their scene partner for a scene that's highlighting them specifically, you know you're going to have a different acting experience? <gasps> All of them. You know, that was the one of the most amazing things about this experience was that there were so many talented, incredible people in that room. And yet we all respected each other's kind of approach to work. I think I was surprised every single day by what I saw. Every single day. I have, you know, I, I, I loved watching Rooney act. I just found her to be so... Uh, I think what she brought to that role was absolutely incredible. And I felt very, very close to her. Um, and I just loved watching her her skill basically, which seems completely effortless. Um, but I'm presuming is not, I don't know. But she just seems so easy for her and so, you know, effortless. I think I loved watching Sheila McCarthy. I think she is an absolute pro and has experienced so much and she was able to pull out a performance which was so vulnerable and um, incredible. Same with Judith, um, I, you know, found it very difficult to look Judith in the eye. I wanted to cry every time I looked at her. There's just something so incredibly open and genuine about her as a performer. Ben um, could make, literally could read. I don't, I don't, he could just sit there and do absolutely nothing and I would be wrapped. Um, and Jessie, I just, I, you know, I've got all the time in the world for her. I just found her so motivating and um so inspiring to watch she's got she attacks things with an absolute like lust for life that i just think is all of them kate and liv was extraordinary to be around those young actors michelle like i can't i can't it's just yeah too many how, how much are you considering the range of acting experience in the ensemble? Because like you have legends like Judith Ivey and you mm. have Oscar nominees and winners all around mm. you, but then you have some people who are either getting their first screen credit or just at the beginning stage of their careers. So is there anything you can strive to do for some younger, newer actors like that to, I guess, uh, like make sure they get the greatest first experience, maybe something you wish you had when you first started out that now you can do for them? Yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know how helpful I was. I kept basically scaring them, I think. I don't know. I kept, because I just kept, I wanted them to know that they were not at the mercy of the system. They were not at the mercy of this film. They, you know, I I, I just kept saying, look, a lot of us have been working quite a long time. And I, it's just not helpful at all. But I was just like, please don't feel like you have to sacrifice yourself personally for what you're doing. Don't take yourself to a place that you don't think you can come back from. Don't feel like you have to bleed for this. Like, you can, yes, there is an element of that, but protect yourself. You're so young. Please don't hurt yourself. Please don't hurt yourself. Um, and I didn't really have to worry about that because obviously Sarah was, uh, you know, she acted very young. I think she always had one eye on them. And also they are just, you know, 
tough. Like there, I, I think my insecurity about it was probably completely unfounded because they're much more mature than I am now. Um, so I don't know how much help I was. And there was a there was a therapist on set and everything. So I think for them, a first experience of making a movie like this is. I mean, I just. I hope all of their experiences are like this. I, I hope. And I really believe that they will go into their next jobs with an expectation of, of what a film could be like. I just hope it doesn't get ruined. I'm hopeful that there's many more people like you and the Women Talking team out there. Yeah. And, and that Hunt will Hunt down the people that are mean true. to them. If anyone's mean to them, I will go after them and I will <laughs> find them and I will I give them it. a very stern talking to. I have to let you go. I have a million more women talking questions, but thankfully we will get to talk again tomorrow. So I will save those oh, for great. later. See you then. I am, <laughs> I am going to send you a big, big congratulations on this film. Thank you for talking about women talking, but also about your entire career overall. And as it's always been, I cannot wait to see even more from you. Thank you. That was a lot of fun. Thanks very much. 